This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what's the first thing you would do? Get outside more? Check in on that friend you've been meaning to catch up with? Maybe learn how to play an instrument? I know I've thought about what I would do with more time in my day, and many people daydream about what they might do in that scenario. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your actual schedule is to know what's important to you and take whatever reasonable steps you can to make those things more of a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is not just for people who've experienced major traumas. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, May 12th, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film writer Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, yesterday, or was it the day before? One of the last couple of days, they had the Disney investors uh, call, and the biggest news to come out of that is that Basically, Disney is going to launch a one-app experience featuring Disney Plus and Hulu content by the end of this year. So uh, Bob Iger, the the CEO of Disney, uh, stated on the company call that uh, Disney will continue to offer Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus as standalone options. But the new combination app will provide subscribers with, quote, access to more robust and streamlined content. So uh, <laughs> the, the the other big news, I guess, is the CFO, Christine McCarthy, also during the same earnings call, explained that Disney will, quote, be removing certain content from streaming platforms, unquote. Uh, that's in addition to Iger's plans to raise the price of Disney Plus's ad-free option while keeping the price of its ads, including uh, tier, quote, modest. It remains uh, unclear if Disney plans to purchase Comcast stake in a Hulu next year in order to own the streamer outright. Uh, but I guess it seems like... So it, it's not like they're rebranding it as like a 
all in one app. It seems like if you subscribe to Disney and Hulu, it will all be in one app. Is that, is that what I'm reading correctly? That's what it seems like. They haven't like fully explained what it's going to be, but yeah, I think they're basically going to try to more fully integrate them. I'm wondering, because Variety speculated that, because we've talked about this on the podcast before, that Disney currently fully owns two-thirds of Hulu, but it essentially bought out Comcast share of Hulu, um, but they don't fully own it yet. Yeah. So beginning in January 2024, there's a situation where Disney either has to buy out Comcast for like billions of dollars or they sell Hulu to someone else. And Variety thought that this sort of indicated that Disney was very much leaning towards buying Hulu. My initial read of it was a little different that like, I'm wondering if them moving a bunch of content they own on Hulu to Disney plus in some way almost indicates they're maybe setting themselves up to divest Hulu. And and I'm, I'm not sure about that, but that was my initial read of it was that they want to get used to the oh. idea that Disney plus might be, you know, cause, cause they, cause the thing is whoever buys Hulu, they don't necessarily automatically get all of Disney shows. Right. I'm sure there would be a contract situation where some of those shows would have to stay there for a certain period of time, but you know, it doesn't mean that whoever gets Hulu automatically owns what Disney owns. They'd be buying the name, I think, more than anything else. Um, and and maybe whatever originals were made for Hulu or however that works. I'm not really sure. But but uh, but it, yeah, it, so is the Hulu brand name worth that much these days? I feel like it's, it's worth a lot more than a lot of these other streaming services that are trying to launch. Like Hulu is a much more valuable thing than Peacock. Uh, well, yeah, um, and also they have a lot of subscribers. I, I mean, I, I see value in that, but I don't know. Like the whole reason for them doing this, uh, you know, Bob Iger saying it's a you know consumer driven reason. It, it makes sense. I want to have all the the movies and TV shows in one app. I don't want to have to go from one app to the next uh, to, to watch a certain show or movie. But I also like don't want to pay for two apps. Well, yeah, everybody's tired of paying for everything right now. So, like, that's the big problem. <laughs> but that's also why I think that there's a chance Hulu could... Hulu could go away. Disney could take a lump sum. Disney could then roll everything they have into one ex- one app, aside from ESPN+, and then, like, charge a lot more, in theory, because that one app has a lot more to offer. And then, like, Comcast could buy out hulu and then roll everything from peacock into hulu and then like they would be able to actually have a streaming service with a name that matters instead of peacock and that would (laughs) save and that would save comcast from having to get out of the streaming game or like lose the streaming wars entirely so i see a scenario by which that could happen but uh i think the biggest thing is that disney's disney streaming revenue uh is, is still an issue and they lost something like 4 million subscribers in the last quarter worldwide. And they're trying to get to a point of streaming profitability. So, and a lot of that had to do with like them not being able to broadcast cricket internationally. So it wasn't as much <laughs> as, but, but again, that's the point of the streaming game. It's a global thing, right? And that global yeah. stuff matters. So, you know, that gets tricky. If Disney says we want to get rid of Hulu, can we move all those subscribers over to Disney plus? I don't know. So it, it's complicated because the other thing is, I don't know if Disney's in a position to make like a, 
you know, $10 billion acquisition or whatever they'd have to pay to, to buy out the rest of Hulu. So I, I really don't know what's going to happen there. But but I think the idea of them moving everything to one app makes sense for the people that do subscribe. But it's just a matter of it's just a way for ultimately <laughs> them to be able to, like, make people less mad for raising the price again. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I, the way you describe it sounds good. But the way that I'm reading and all the, the media analysts describing this as like, if you have both apps, they'll combine into one app. That sounds confusing and something that doesn't really help me. Well, but they're much. also going to, but, but, but Iger's also made it clear that they're still going to offer them as standalones. Yeah. Like you don't have to subscribe to Disney plus and Hulu. I do. I do the bundle because it makes more sense yeah. for me, but like not everyone has to or will. So. I think Disney's smart enough and they've handled their streaming stuff well enough that, you know, I think that they won't botch the execution of this. Cause like Disney plus launched really smoothly right out of the gate. And that wasn't the case for most of these other streaming services. So I think Disney's handled this all really well, particularly under Iger's leadership. So what do you think of CFO Christine McCarthy saying that Disney will be removing certain content from streaming platforms? The, I don't think that that go uh, is to your point of like moving stuff from Hulu to Disney. Plus. No, they're I think just going to remove talking... it for licensing fee purposes. So what what you're suggesting is instead of it being on Disney Plus or or Hulu, that it's going to be on some other network or on sure. TV or could be or nowhere because they just basically don't want to be on the hook for paying for it. You know, because you know the, 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 the look. Here's the thing. For all of the crap David Zaslav gets, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, and a guy who gets who deserves a lot of rightful crap, he can be an asshole and be right at the same time. And there's a reason that like most of these other giant media companies are following in the footsteps of what he laid out for Warner Brothers strategy with Max. Is that, you know, not everything stays on these services forever. You try to monetize them other ways. Um, you sort of make them new again by selling them to someone else or licensing to someone else. Uh, made directly for streaming movies don't carry a lot of value, so we make very few of those or we make them cheaply. And, you know, it's like Prime Video starting to follow some of that suit and now Disney's starting to follow some of that suit. So, yeah, obviously this makes some business sense. So I think they're just doing what everyone else is doing right now and adjusting their streaming strategy to make fiscal sense. I don't know, Ryan. I, I feel like I subscribe to Disney Plus because I know that that most of almost everything from Disney is going to be on there. Do you know what right, I mean? Like, I, I don't want to gamble. They're not talking about the marquee stuff people are searching for. You're talking about because what happened for years is like, you know, Netflix would just be a repository for everything they ever had and stuff would get buried and never even found on there. But yet they still got to pay, you know, licensing fees to keep it there. You know, so it's like, you know, at some point you got to get realistic about yeah. you know does it make business sense for them to just keep stuff there to have it there and as you're seeing with how hard it is for these streaming companies to reach profitability with streaming no it doesn't necessarily always make sense okay we need to move on uh one of the movies coming out this summer is transformers rise of the beast and these transformers movies have typically under michael bay been kind of a uh, you know you, you, you're committing to three hours in that that movie theater seat but this one seems like it's gonna be a little bit shorter yeah yeah so uh but as tickets went on sale earlier this week for transformers rise of the beast collider reported that uh the new first proper entry in the franchise technically since 2017 uh will be uh hitting theaters with a very reasonable runtime of one hour and 57 minutes 
Uh, that is just a few minutes longer than Bumblebee, which was an hour and 54 minutes. Just to give you an idea of what Peter was talking about here with how long those Michael Bay movies were, Transformers <laughs> The Last Night was two hours and 29 minutes, and Transformers Age of Extinction was a punishing two hours and 45 minutes. Ryan, I saw Transformers The Last Night in D-Box. It was the first and only movie I've ever seen. Or not D-Box. Um, what's the 40X? one that like? 4DX. Yes, 4DX. That's the one where you said it's basically like a, a theme park ride where it's like shaking around, yeah, squirting yeah, yeah, water yeah. at you, uh, fog, uh, all this stuff. Two, two, how long did you say that movie was? Two hours and 45 minutes. Two hours and 45 minutes is way too long to do something like that. And also uh, the fact that like the people that are at 4DX like are like, we're going to give people their money's worth. They're spending this much money on a ticket. So every scene is going to have some kind of movement, some kind of thing squirting you in the face. So it, it was like nonstop for two two hours and 45 minutes. Anyways, uh, I'm glad to have a, sh- a shorter Transformers movie, but I'm, I'm still not sure if I'm excited about this. Uh, I'm, I like the, the idea of like get to the point, like let's do it. Um, I, I'm starting to really look forward to this movie. Um, uh, hopeful for the future of this because I think Transformers One, the the animated movie coming out next year, sounds really great, particularly with the cast they lined up there. I think this looks fun and good. Um, I like that they're not making them overly long. I like that they're getting good, interesting directors to do them. I'm in. Okay, uh, we we had a new story drop today that Daisy Ridley is going to be basically getting her own Die Hard movie. Not really in the Die Hard franchise, but it's a movie called Cleaner. Tell us about it, Ryan. Yeah, so this is actually pretty exciting for me personally because I'm a big Daisy Ridley fan and a big Martin Campbell fan. But uh, according to Deadline, this is one of those things coming out of the Cannes film market where essentially what happens is these independent financers and producers get like, you know, an actor, a a script, a director, whatever. They put together like a package and they take that out to, you know, anyone who would buy rights to a film, essentially. And so they'll say, this is the movie we're making. Who's interested? And they'll sell rights internationally, domestic, abroad, whatever. And then like the movie gets made. So Daisy Ridley is set to star in a movie called Cleaner uh, from director Martin Campbell, best known as uh, the director of Casino Royale, uh, GoldenEye, and, uh, you know, uh, the less said about Green Lantern, the better. But, you know, hey, the guys. But that's the thing. Like anytime that people bring him up, they say Casino Royale. But Ryan, that movie was in 2006. And since then, he's done... What you mentioned, Green Lantern. Uh, he did an uh, episode of Last Resort. He did. Uh, I quite like the Foreigner. That movie he did uh, with um. I I I thought that was a damn fine action film. Um and the uh, protege. Uh, memory was whatever. <laughs> memory wasn't very good, but it's kind of hit and miss with him, right? Like you know, let's not forget about the Mask of Zorro. Like one, a very good movie. Well, that's so my the, point. I think in the '90s he was a great director, and recently he's been. I don't know what he's doing. But. Well, look, we'll see. But 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 uh, yeah, so so Daisy Ridley uh, getting to actually headline a movie that is not Star Wars, which is cool. Um, and so uh, this this sounds like in the 90s when it was a bunch of die hard, but blank. And then like so it's it, it very seems die hardy. So let me go ahead and read you over the synopsis here. The timely action thriller set in present-day London will see radical activists take over an energy company's annual gala at the Shard, the tallest skyscraper in Western Europe, seizing 300 hostages in order to expose the corruption of the hosts. Their just cause is hijacked by a zealous extremist within their ranks who is ready to murder everyone in the building to send his anarch 
an anarchic message to the world. It falls to an ex-soldier turned window cleaner named Joey Locke, Daisy Ridley, suspended 90 stories up outside of the building to save those trapped inside and take down the killers, whilst also finding a way to bring the corrupt energy moguls to justice. Uh, please, a bunch of tickets for art for me. Um, uh, I am so into this. Uh, Campbell also had a quote about it if you'd like me to read that. Sure. Go for it. Sure. Uh, so Martin Campbell uh, saying of the movie, Cleaner is a nail-biter thriller, unique and original in both its characters and its setting. Okay. Uh, much of the I, lo- film I takes- love how he calls it a uh, unique and original when we're basically it'll be like, this is Die Hard with Daisy Ridley. Right. It's a you know, they got to say that, whatever. But much of the film takes place on the side of the shard, hundreds of feet up in the air. And I want the experience to be up there with Joey uh, and a stomach churning, uh, vert- vertiginous experience. There isn't a more interactive and powerful actress than Daisy right now to help us do that. The majority of my movies have been thrillers and cleaner is one of the best I've ever read. So some bold words there. Um, look, I'm into this. I mean, I think you already know exactly what you're going to get out of it. And to me, I'm like, yes, that please. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm in as well. I, I, I kind of miss that era of action filmmaking where everything was some kind of version of a diehard, you know, diehard in a bus, diehard on a cruise ship. Right. And you also just go, this is an interesting actor. Can we just build something around that person? And and I'm not saying the script didn't exist before Daisy Ridley, but she's a pretty fascinating person to put in this role. Um, And and I like that. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And I think that it's, and I think that it's interesting how little high profile projects she's had like outside of star Wars, you know, like she was on murder and she was in murder on the Orient express, but very much part of an ensemble there. And then obviously chaos walking was just an absolute disaster, not her fault, but um, you know, so she's got a lot of stuff coming up, but she hasn't had a, a ton out there since rise of Skywalker. So I think it's cool. She's finally getting a chance to like front and center for an action film. Yeah. Okay. We, we got to talk about uh, the CW and also some sequels some, to some 90s movie properties. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Okay, let's start first with the CW, Ryan. You wrote this article uh, titled The Old CW is Basically Gone and That's a Shame, uh, which I agree to because CW is such a a brand name in like the, I guess, mid-2000s to like the 2010s. It was like such a big thing. Uh, So tell us about CW and and, uh, why what's going on. Yeah, so this dates back to last year when a company named Nexstar – uh, purchased the majority stake in the CW. They are the largest owner of TV networks in the country. And um, basically CBS and Warner Brothers co-owned the CW. Um, and as I've said before, what's fascinating about it is the network was never profitable ever during its entire They never turned a profit. That so, is insane like, considering the amount of like I, I, pop culture TV that I would consider hits. Right. You know. So, so, but, but what's interesting is like when the news first came out of like the, the sale is that like the average age of a viewer in the CW was like in their fifties and yet they're making like YA shows like the 100 and you know, a lot of these Arrowverse shows and things like that, they were 
they they had viewership, but they were also very successful after the fact, like either through Netflix, streaming, whatever. So, you know, it wasn't a lot of people watching these shows live. They became hits almost in spite of the fact that they were made for network TV. But they also largely, you had a show like The 100 that could make it to 100 episodes because it was network TV. Yeah. You know, and so so it's an interesting thing. But anyway, but it, uh, since Nexstar took over, the idea is that they're going to cut back a lot on the scripted programming because that's expensive and focus more on like unscripted programming, game shows, stuff like that for the people who are not cord cutters that are still watching over the air TV. And they're only going to keep a few scripted programs on the air. Uh, as evidence of that, the Winchesters, which was the Supernatural spinoff and Kung Fu were canceled, leaving very few shows on the air now. The only ones they have to make decisions on are... Superman and Lois and Gotham Knights and one of them is going to make it. And then like all American homecoming, which might make it because they already renewed all American, but they're only going to have two or three scripted shows on the air at a time. So uh, very little is going to make it here. And with these latest cancellations, pretty much the, the CW, as we know it, it, as we knew it is dead, Um, you know, pour one out. Um, But yeah, that's that's your loot. It is because you're losing. Look, I'm not saying I watched a lot of these shows, but I'm saying yeah. you had shows that had were able like The Hundred, Gossip Girl, Vampire Diaries, Jane the Virgin, I Zombie, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, all these shows that had big followings and were really only able to exist because they were made for a network. Let us not forget, Supergirl was on CBS, canceled after one season, moved to the CW, lasted six six seasons. Black Lightning developed at Fox, wasn't going to make it. CW picked it up, lasted four seasons. You know, it was like a big you know, haven for some of these projects and some of these shows that, you know, developed real followings. And, you know, we'll see. I, you know, it, 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 I don't know that any of these shows make it in the world of streaming. I don't know that that's the case. And so, you know, you're losing a lot of, a lot of big TV as a result of this. How long did the flash last? Nine seasons, I think nine seasons Nine yeah. and, and well over 200 episodes, like a crazy, crazy long time. That's never going to happen again, ever. Like, Riverdale seven seasons. Uh, I gotta admit, you know, I watch the CW mostly not for the shows, but uh, CW is one of the few networks that uh, does has like magic TV. So they have uh, Penn and Teller Full List, which I think might have five or six seasons or I'm not even sure how many seasons of Penn and Teller Full List. It's, it's been, yeah, but then they also have that magic show. What's the secrets behind the mat or whatever that show is the the. But yeah, they have a couple of matches, yeah, right? Masters of Illusion. Masters and, of Illusion, uh, that's the one I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, Fool Us is on nine seasons, so I was completely wrong on that. It's been a lot of seasons. Anyway, so uh I guess they're betting on more of that where they don't have to pay uh writers yeah. guilt. <laughs> well, that's the other problem too, right? Is you're looking at a network that employed a ton of writers and a ton of, you know, TV directors yeah. and a ton of and a lot of that's going away. So um, you know, really unfortunate, but it, uh, I mean again the network was never profitable for a day of its existence. So, I mean, it's hard to sort of, you know, make an argument for keeping that business model going. Well, the, like the, the non-scripted TV stuff, is just so much cheaper to make. And we, you know, we saw with the first writer's strike, uh, I, I, you know, I think with that first writer strike is, is when reality TV kind of really took a forefront, even though obviously existed. Yeah, it, it had definitely been popular before that, but that was when networks were like, cool, it just leans super hard into this. Yeah. Um, okay, Let, let's talk about uh, the two last stories I want to talk about today are uh, sequels to 90s movies, the first of which is Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan might be reuniting for a Freaky Friday sequel. Uh, so apparently they're actually 
In uh, as reported by the New York Times, Curtis and Lohan are in talks to reprise their roles in a new film written by Elise Hollander. But considering uh, the passion the two have had over the last twenty years, uh, we don't know. We we don't know if this is going to happen or not. Uh, but uh, here's the quote: uh, "Jamie and I are both open to that, so we're leaving it in the hands that be. We would only make something if if." something that people would absolutely adore unquote uh so you know freaky friday is kind of uh a remake of uh it's like one of those body swap kind of things right um where the the mom and the the daughter uh switch bodies uh, you know it's, it's it's been done many times before in 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 movies uh, do you have any love for the for freaky friday no but but no. it's also that, that, but that's fine like it doesn't it's, yeah it, i mean but but from so there's been a lot of like you know everything old is new again nostalgia blah 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 just to be clear disney made a lot of money with the freaky friday remake um uh freaky friday uh made 160 million dollars worldwide and 110 million of that domestically off a 20 million dollar budget in 2004 wow. that is a huge hit and, you know, so like Jamie Lee Curtis is obviously like a recent Oscar winner and has been having a lot of success at the box office lately. Her track record has been phenomenal as of late. So yeah. uh, and she's actually talked quite a bit about this, I think, on red carpets and stuff. She seems to really want to do it. Um, why not? Right. Like, I, I'm not saying that, like, I'm going to line up to see this, but like, why not do it? I, I don't think you have a lot to lose because it's probably not going to be a terribly expensive movie. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis is probably going to be your biggest expense, you know, getting, yeah. her, you know, but but. So but you have the Lindsay her, Lohan of it all, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much she. I mean, I feel bad saying this. I don't think she gets as big of a paycheck as as Jamie yeah. gets. But like, but okay. So what? You pay Jamie five million. You pay, you know, uh, Lindsay a few million. Yeah. You spend another fifteen million to produce the thing. Twenty two, twenty three million in. Even if you only make fifty million at the box office, what that does for you on Disney Plus and VOD later, it, it's hard to. I think with those stars, it's almost hard to lose money on that. Like you'd have to really try to lose money on that. So I think like as long as you budget it reasonably, you could totally make this happen. Yeah, I mean that was just like a good era of like those kind of movies. Like Mark Waters, who directed the original Freaky Friday, went on to direct uh mean girls which is a classic it, it, it's a classic um and uh wh what has he done recently i i'm trying to I don't think. know i haven't looked up you know you know i gotta i guess i should admit something terrible i've never seen mean girls oh my god uh it's one of those weird blank spots for me yeah right i think you would actually enjoy it i have no doubt that i would it's just one of those things, you know things miss you for a long time and you just yeah you know it, it uh but yeah i it was that way for heat for a long time with me. Then when I saw heat, I started talking about it like it was my religion. So you never know, but. Oh my God. He directed the 2021 movie. He's all that. That was. Of course he did. Why wouldn't he? Was that, that a gender swap? She's I guess all it was that, a, that yeah, she's all that. Wow. Okay. And he also did magic camp. Okay. Uh, wow. So bad, he's got a brand. Bad Santa two. He directed <laughs> okay. bad Santa two. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay moving on uh <laughs> let's move on to uh, our last story this is emilio estevez thinks there's room for not just a young gun sequel another young gun sequel but five more young gun sequels ryan tell us about it yeah i will say look i wasn't in the room for this but I, it, it, emilio estevez recently spoke to up rocks and 
I get the sense he was being a little bit hyperbolic, but not like super hyperbolic. But let's talk about this. So uh, Emilio Estevez has talked, and this is not the first time he's brought this up. A couple years ago, he brought up like that Young Guns 3 was very much a possibility. Um, And he seems very, like this does not seem like something that is just being talked about. This seems like something that actually might happen. So let's go over his initial quote here. Uh, It all comes down to legal minds that work with IP. Listen, I'm ready to go. We have a terrific draft, as in someone wrote this already. And if we can figure out the copyrights on all this, and if Morgan Creek can sort of untangle from some of the issues that they've got in terms of uh, continuing the franchise, we're ready to go. So it's just a question of when. Of course, I'm not getting any younger, so I think we'll drop the young from the title, which we've done. But I think the Westerns being revived certainly plays to our benefit. So it seems like they've got a title. They're, he's ready to go. They've got a script. So Morgan Creek, if people don't know, kind of gone through some sales, rebranding. They're trying to figure out. But like in 2017, they said they were maybe going to reboot Young Guns. So who knows? But but uh, anyway, uh, he continued. To, so people don't know Young Guns uh, folks a lot on Billy the Kid, played by Estevez uh, when he was much, much younger. But there's this theory that Billy the Kid didn't die and lived like into his 90s. Um, this guy like Brushy Bill Roberts, a Texas man in like the 40s, began claiming he was Billy the Kid. And Young Guns 2 even has, you know, Estevez made up an old man makeup, sort of leaning into that notion. And so the second part of the quote here is, uh, there's this new photo that surfaced. It's pretty strong evidence. There's a New York detective who was on the case who was a facial recognition guy, and he looked at several, especially this new picture, and said, without question, this is the same guy many years later, and he is Brushy Bill. And that, again, is just further evidence that there's a story there. It's almost like Zelig or Forrest Gump. Bushy Bill Roberts, a.k.a. Billy the Kid, he fought alongside Pancho Villa in the Mexican Revolution. He was with Teddy Roosevelt at the Battle of San Juan Hill. Here's a guy that was born with the advent of the Gatling gun and died in 1950 during the Atomic Age. I mean, think about what he saw over the course of his lifetime. Then the big quote here. What's holding, uh, uh, he said, I think it's not only one more film in the franchise, but I think you could do three, four, and five. So <laughs> look, and I and when I first yeah. read that quote, I was like, oh, come on. And then I sort of like looked, I didn't know a lot about this Billy the Kid stuff. And I looked into it. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of think he might have a point. <laughs> like if you lean into that idea that Billy the Kid lived on and had these weird adventures sort of low key after like everyone thought he died, could be cool. So I'm, I don't know if you need four or five, but I think you make three. And then if that goes well, yeah, maybe you do make more. I mean, I didn't know about this Billy the Kid stuff either. Um, but, you know, looking into it after you mentioned it in our Slack channel, I was like, oh, this is interesting. But is this interesting for Young Gun sequels or is this interesting for like uh, the second life of Billy the Kid movie? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think, it, but I think you can kind of maybe have your cake and eat it too with that, right? Like you yeah. can sort of like go for the people that like knew what Young Guns was and then that gets you some initial interest. But then there's also like Billy the Kid is like an enduring pop culture figure. So if you lean into the Billy the Kid of it all, then like you can sort of get new audiences who might not otherwise care about Young Guns who just want to watch some cool Billy the Kid Western. And I think that works both ways. But is Emilio Estevez out side of the age range to continue on it depends what year you play because you know it's 30 years ago if yeah. you have like older billy the kid which i think is what he's sort of talking about doing because they even he even said we dropped young from the title so i think the idea is you're catching up with him you know you're doing the force awakens thing it's older han solo it's not you know it's not young <laughs> han solo you know what i mean and that works it works it worked with 2018 halloween it works all the time wait so what is the title it's old guns 
I did joke about that in the t- they didn't say, but I was like, maybe you know. But I think that would be the the Older obvious guns. way to go about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's funny. Uh, you know, I never had a love of the Young Guns movies. I know a lot of my friends uh, did. Did you like the Young Guns? Films. I only ever saw the original Young Guns, and and I remember liking it, but that was a cable movie from my youth. Like I haven't seen it in a really long time, and and I this almost made me want to go revisit it. Like I, I uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I look, I don't know, I'm not. I, I think this would all depend on like budget and how you're releasing it. I think yeah. like you either got you got to make this really cheap and, and do like theatrical and be smart. Or you got to get a streaming service to pay for it. Like those are the two ways I think this safely works. Well, if you had told me two years ago, three years ago about this, I would have been like, oh, this is the perfect streaming play for a streaming sequel. But they're not really doing that much anymore. No, things are changing. So that's what I'm saying. I think you either get a streaming service to agree to pay for it as like a mid-budget movie or you make it like real cheap. You do the Blumhouse model for a Western and you say everyone gets paid if this thing makes money. You know, like you can't, you can't just be shelling out huge paychecks for this to, you know, up front. But I think there's a way to make it happen if everyone can get on the same page. I got to be honest with you. I, I don't remember much about Young Guns 2, but I saw it at the Fenway Theater in Boston, in downtown Boston. And I remember seeing it with some friends at a midnight screening of when it came out. And the whole time during the movie, the boom, the audio microphone, the boom mic was like above the actors while they were talking like in every scene i could see the boom mic like you know it moved from one actor to the other and i was like fuming i was like literally fuming my my friends didn't care like they didn't notice or didn't care or whatever i was like so aggravated i was like this is such a crappily made movie that the they forgot to like you know frame the movie without the boom mic and it's supposed to be like you know set in the old west and there's like modern technology in it and i later learned that um uh that back in the day when you used to project stuff with film that there was actually stuff above and below the frame of where it's supposed to be projected and uh, it just wasn't properly framed to be projected on the screen if that makes sense it was framed uh improperly uh, up higher so you got to see some stuff that you weren't supposed to see which i guess n- no longer happens anymore with uh digital cinema so now i just feel like an old person telling you the story of back <laughs> in my day <laughs> but it's crazy that we lived in a world that that was possible right that's it's crazy i guess i guess probably in like years after that they probably would have rotoscoped that stuff out digitally to have it in the film prints before everything went all digital. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there wasn't even the possibility of having a boom mic. In, in the, I don't in know. The stuff frame. like that happens all the time. I think it's in from Russia with love. There's a scene where they're uh, running through a bazaar and there's a mirror in the bazaar and you see the entire film crew in the mirror. Like I there's stuff that. like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of that's the <laughs> charm of like just being reminded, like we're watching a movie. Yeah. Okay, uh, you can find more of all the stories we talked about in today's episode on SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And uh, please write and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Monday. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. 
Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.